0: Hey everybody, this is Daniel Patrick, and this is episode number 116 of the Mandolins and Beer Podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, the mandolin cafe how's everybody doing uh, i want to thank jake jala for giving me that song last week Mini the mooch to uh, to to share with everybody again you can go out and pre-order his new album on bandcamp and, and that reminds me 2021's coming to a close here jake's going to be on the podcast next week and i've been been able to listen to that album now a few times and i think it's one of my favorite albums that's been put out here in 2021 but i would love to know what you've been listening to here in 2021 so shoot me an email at danielpatrickmusic at yahoo.com. You can go to mandolinsabeer.com and go to the contact page too and send it that way. And You can also go to Facebook or Instagram or however you'd like to reach out. I'd love to know what you were listening to in 2021 and see if there's anything that I possibly missed. Also, I want to thank Paul, my latest Patreon subscriber. Patron, I believe the word is. Um, Thank you so much. You signed up for the $10 level. I really, really appreciate that. Um, Again, it's um, patreon.com slash Beer. There's everything from $1 a month, $2 a month, $4, $8, $10. You can even sign up for the entire year if you'd like. It really helps out with uh, getting all this stuff for this podcast together and makes a huge difference. So if you can head over to Patreon, that'd be fantastic. You can also support me by just subscribing to the podcast, leaving a comment and uh, follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Those things all help. And actually, I'm going to contact my buddy Keith from the Picky Fingers Banjo Podcast. They do like a a Patreon hang once a month, and i got to figure out the logistics to that. I think that'd be kind of fun to do. Um, Talk talk all sorts of mandolins and, and beer stuff on there, so I'll check into that as well. I want to thank Peghead Nation for sponsoring this week's podcast, Peghead Nation streaming video courses, a mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, dobro, ukulele, and bass. you learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in roots music. Who are those instructors, you wonder? Sharon Gilchrist, Joe K. Walsh, Mike Compton, John Reichman, Aaron Weinstein, Marla Fibish, and Chad Manning. Uh, everything from beginner to advanced, they got it all. Theory. Courses include high-quality, multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, play-along tracks, and plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now. Get your first month for free. Just go to pegheadnation.com and use the promo code MANDOLINBEER at checkout. That's all one word. Northfield Mandolins, let's build more than a mandolin together. Check out their website at northfieldmandolins.com. Download their app at mandosummit.app for lots of special performance recordings, demonstrations, and special workshops. Thank Ear Trumpet Labs. They also are a sponsor this week. They're celebrating 10 years of hand-building microphones in Portland, Oregon. Their mics are beautifully designed to have great feedback, rejection for live use, and the most natural tone you'll find for acoustic instruments. Whether for a single source like mandolin or single miking a full string band, check them out at EarTrumpetLabs.com today. Also, be sure to follow them and all my other sponsors on the Instagrams. They just had a great post of Billy Strings using their... Mike at the uh, ACL Fest again. Guys top of the world and he's using those ear trumpet labs, so you know they're doing something right. Speaking of doing something right, Pava Mandolins, dedicated to building for the impassioned player. Beautiful mandolins, sound amazing. So be sure to check them out. All right, thank you so much to my sponsors. Let's get into this week's episode, Eva Scow. Great player. Um y- you got to check her out on YouTube and uh, she has a great album Sharon by the Sea that she did she's got a new single that we talk about and play a little sample of you can find all those links at mandolinsabeer.com or in the description of this podcast and also any of these songs that you hear snippets of if you want to find out the full version just go to mandolinsabeer.com or the description of this podcast as well and you can find out exactly what the song is what albums they're on and who did them alright let's get into this podcast thank you so much for listening y'all have a fantastic week cheers it is my pleasure to welcome to the podcast eva scow eva how's it going
1: hey i'm great daniel nice to meet you and talk to you and thank you so much for having me
0: oh man thank you so much for doing this It's really exciting um i was telling you before we started this i'm familiar with your name from when i got the tone poets uh album that grisma put out however many years ago that has been now it seems like forever but Your playing really, really stood out on that album. And that's an album filled with giants uh, because I just remember hearing that track and listening again and again.
1: Thank you so much. It seems like a lifetime ago, but it was a total honor, and I'm,
0: and I'm super humbled that I was asked to be a part of it. And great experience. Um, before we get into like your background and all that good stuff, you do have a couple a couple things coming up. Um, one is a brand new single that's available on Bandcamp that you play on, and it's called Imagination. It's the jazz standard.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a 1940s jazz standard, and it just it was just released maybe like three or four days ago. And it's a friend of mine who's a fantastic vocalist, uh, Sarah Cabral, and she recorded it um, accompanied by a fantastic acoustic guitarist named Chico Pinheiro. And, and then I put some mandolin and a mandolin solo on, so I'm really proud of it. And it's just the most recent release that I've been a part of.
0: cabral for people if they're out there looking i'll put a link on the website in the description but just in case people are listening Uh,
1: yeah that's it's
0: c-a-b-r-a-l awesome and then you're also going to be part of an acoustic jazz camp coming up in port townsend maybe talk a little bit about that real quick that's may 25th and 29th
1: yeah of of 2022 i'll be up in port townsend part of a acoustic strings jazz camp um Hosted by Centrum, which I think is like an arts organization up there. It'll be my first time joining the faculty up there. And anybody can enroll and join in the the three or four days that will be up there. And I'll be leading an ensemble, a jazz uh, strings ensemble. And and there'll be a lot of great musicians on faculty there, uh, ranging from guitar to banjo
0: to mandolin to fiddle. Have you done many camps, like taught at many camps before?
1: not too much um, there's a camp up in Sonoma County here in California called the California Brazil camp and and I've been involved in playing uh, Brazilian traditional music specifically like choro and and Brazilian jazz for a few years now um, so I I've taught a couple of years uh, mandolin specifically like choro and um, and I've taught in schools and stuff like that as well surrounding orchestral music and, and teaching violin and mandolin. So a little bit here and there.
0: So how in the heck did you find yourself playing mandolin first off?
1: Oh yeah. So I, I had started taking um, piano and violin lessons when I was really young, like three and four. My mom got us, uh, me and my brother uh, involved in private lessons. And when I was eight years old, she kind of wanted me to branch out of classical training and, and add on uh, some folk music and and alternative traditional styles of music that she was, she had always loved. And, and uh, so she bought me a mandolin since I had already played violin and got me private lessons. And, um, and that's how ha- that happened when I was eight years old. And, um, and that just kind of opened my ears to a whole range of styles from fiddle tunes and folk music to bluegrass. And then, and then it got into brazilian traditional like choro music and then from there i went to playing jazz standards and that whole world kind of blew my mind wide open and
0: and that led to other styles like soul
1: and r&b and
0: and popular music you have a great youtube channel and if people aren't familiar with you i would definitely recommend um first off you have a, a great great album that I've, that I've had forever. That's called Sharon by the sea. And um, so I'd recommend they get that, but I would also recommend they just go right now and subscribe to your YouTube channel because man, you put out some excellent videos and just inspiring to listen to and to, and to watch. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's great.
1: I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for doing them, you know? So, so you started classically was it was it pretty intense at that point when you were when you were young on the like on the violin like working hard towards classical stuff or was it just kind of like something you did every week?
1: Yeah, it was it just became part of my life ever since I can remember. Um, I, I I studied the Suzuki method. I don't know if you're familiar with that. It's
0: kind of like a yeah, definitely.
1: Yeah, a method of of learning on piano and violin, and I was involved in orchestras. Um, like youth orchestra symphony orchestras on violin at a young age and and i would go to the competitions and you know do the recitals and get the get the judges scoring and ever since i can remember and then i kind of just segued into playing mandolin and alternative styles of music and and stopped the classical um when i was about 16
0: oh wow so you still kind of hung on to that classical background for a little bit after after getting a mandolin yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it wasn't like a yeah, for my mom it was like we're just going to add this on. We're not actually switching <laughs> anything out.
0: <laughs> cool. So when you first got the mandolin, what were you kind of were there anything that you were kind of listening to to dip your toes into that world as opposed to the classical world or were you just kind of transferring over?
1: Yeah, I had a teacher and he um he didn't read music or anything, so it was like I would show up with the recorder and he would just rec- he would just play a bunch of fiddle tunes um and i would just learn them by ear and and you know i think with that piano and that classical training my ear was pretty to dev- pretty like in a good place to be able to like pick up things by ear and i was just a sponge and and um so it was a lot of bluegrass and fiddle tunes and and things like that in the beginning
0: did you start like playing with bands at that point or anything like that or were you just kind of doing um, kind of solo stuff. Um, how did it how did it progress from taking these lessons and then kind of getting out there in the in the world for you?
1: Yeah. So my my first gigs ever, I was about 14 years old, and I had recently met uh, professional musicians in the area who played, you know, in in Yosemite National Park for weddings and and corporate events, and and they played acoustic music, and and they also played a lot of like the shoro and um jazz and I didn't really know anything about that, but they did have sheet music for all this stuff. And and I was already like reading reading music at a very young age. So they would just kind of put this music in front of me and I would read it. And then it just kind of evolved where they were like, hey, you want to start playing gigs with us and weddings and you play violin and mandolin so you can kind of cover the the classical part portion and then we can play some jazz. And and so that really like pushed me in a way like yeah i wanted to play gigs outside of school and get paid so it really <laughs> you know yeah. so it really pushed me to like figure out what improv was and and like learn some rhythms and it was like uh it was kind of like a just an accelerated course of like playing with music music musicians that are better and older than than i was and also just like listening to this music on on CDs, you know, on my on my walkman, on my iPad like all the time.
0: The the world between improvisation and reading off a sheet is so, they're they're like so far apart in worlds, you know, I mean, I've played with people before who be like, oh, do you want to take a solo? And they're like, ah, I can't solo unless it's like written in front of me. And I'm like, wow, I can't even imagine that <laughs> because, you know, like, because yeah. reading is tough to me because I, you know, I don't do it every day. But what was it like for you coming from that world? But how did you work from that then to be like, like you said, like learning improvisation?
1: Yeah, it's, it was like a, it was like a, a gradual Thing that happened because it would it would start with i would just be reading the melody right but there would be like the chord symbols above the melody and i would kind of be like all right minor major dominant seven like just slowly trying to to in, ingrain in my brain what all these things meant um i never took like a class on music theory i never had like it presented to me in an organized way it was just like i started to listen to 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 CDs, to to jazz um, standards by by all of our favorite, you know, idols in jazz and and in Brazilian music. And um, I would listen to their solos and just transcribe them. And I didn't still, I still didn't really know, like, the theory behind it in the beginning. And then gradually I would, you know, I'd already been playing scales, like, half of my life already and and so yeah and just having the the mentorship of people that are older than you kind of like talk you through it um but honestly a lot of it just happened by transcribing and, and hearing melodies in my head and then slowly applying theory through method books and stuff that I would get um but I think a lot of that just happened by ear for me
0: What kind of music or instruments were you listening to for transcription purposes when you started digging deep?
1: I love listening to piano players. I love listening to people like Chick Corea, I mean, when I first started, I was like, "Oh, I got to go to Miles Davis. I got to go to John Coltrane. I got to go to, you know, Chet Baker." And and then I found myself really lo- loving to listen to like people like Sarah vaughn and Ella Fitzgerald, and, and hear how they were scatting um, their solos, and it, you know, just super. I was immediately attracted to like really melodic approaches of improv on on those standards. Um, and my mom had listened to to these artists when i was younger and before i even knew what it was so some of the stuff was already kind of like in my head uh you know unconsciously just kind of floating in there so then when it was time to play okay i have that i kind of have that idea let me see if i can copy and emulate these people uh in a way that doesn't sound terrible (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. yeah you got to get through that. You got to look you got to get to that terrible though every now and again to realize like, "Oh man, that doesn't work there."
1: <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, no, I made all the mistakes yeah. many times. Yeah, that's how you sure. learn,
0: man. Yeah, totally. You're right. So, it's cool. Did your did your mom play or did she just love music?
1: Yeah, she just loved music and she didn't she never really got an opportunity to play when she was younger. So, that was like before we were even born. That was like a a set in stone thing that her children were going to play instruments and my father um he played oboe and saxophone and orchestras back east when he was growing up so he had a a background in it and he understood what was the right way to practice and what was the wrong way to practice so he would sit <laughs> with us and you know make sure we were playing in tune and and things like that so I
0: had a little bit of both from my parents in different ways but the, I think the one thing that you had too is the support
1: right Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm, I'm very thankful. Like, it wasn't really like a anything that I ever decided to do because, you know, I started piano lessons when I was three and a half. So I, I'm very grateful that it was kind of like presented to me in a way where, you know, it's kind of part of my life. It became part of my life, part of my routine of going to school and practicing and playing outside and and I grew up in, like, a super isolated rural part of uh, the Sierra Nevada foothills. And my dad was was the schoolteacher in a one-room schoolhouse. And there wasn't really a lot of distractions. And, and that was, like, my life for the first nine years. And my mom would drive us two hours each way to go get lessons every week. And um, so I, I feel like I had a lot of, like, really unique, privileged situations where I wasn't, like... Being pulled by other, you know, outside influences, really.
0: And then, and then through the same group, then after the the jazz standards, or well, during the jazz standards, you kind of, you kind of dove into the Shoro music.
1: Yeah. It's actually reverse. Like I started, oh, really. Yeah. I started, I was playing bluegrass and fiddle tunes and, and whatever I could whatever I could hear, really, folk music and and being um, exposed to a lot of great musicians in that world. And and then some folks in that same circle introduced me to choral music, and they had all the sheet music. And then from there, um, I started getting gigs with with these people, and they, and they were also playing jazz. So it was
0: just kind of like, well, we kind of have to do this, too, because this is part of the gig. And that's when I got into that world. Who were some of the artists, and uh, and that in that genre that you were digging into? In jazz? Uh, in um, in like the shore, the choral world.
1: Oh yeah. Well, there's a great there's a great mandolin. Um, this was prolific songwriter as well in that style, named Jacob du Bandolim, Jacob of the Mandolin, and um, he's fantastic. And you know the, these guys in like Rio de Janeiro in the early 19. 19- hundreds would play um and dress up in suits and and they would all had like full time you know day jobs but they would play this incredibly sophisticated instrumental music um and he wrote a lot of great songs and and kind of like the other godfather of shoro is a man named Pishinginya who was another prolific songwriter in that style and how how do you spell that that's spelled p i X I N G U I N H A. Cool. And um he played saxophone and, and stuff and, and wind instruments mostly, but but wrote for all instruments and
0: Kind of like
1: the Godfather of that style, and but there's a lot of great um, um, musicians and, and composers in that genre that, that all kind of had their own little um, style and you know
0: and, and vibe writing that music. What was your process for like sitting down and transcribing some of these songs? Because um, again, like, I mean. It's so virtuosic. I mean, I think a lot of this mandolin music is virtuosic. I mean, yeah, you know, Bill Monroe in and, and that sense of stuff is like just to sit down and l- really learn that stuff. It's I mean, it, it's virtuosic playing in a whole different kind of way, you know, um, but right. with 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 uh, the jazz and with the uh, show music. I re- what I love is you're, you're it's not so much just major scale with some blue notes. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> there's there's a lot going on.
1: Yeah, and a lot of it a lot of it has to do with what you don't play, you know, and that's what I really learned listening to people like Miles Davis and Chick Corea and 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 a lot of the jazz vocalists too, you know, they're, they're approached to singing a melody that you've heard a thousand times, everybody's going to do it slightly different whether it's Chet Baker or Sarah Vaughan or Carmen McRae, you know, the list goes on and on. Um I'm sorry, what was the question again? Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: So um, how did you, when, you know, when you were working on this stuff, like going through and transcribing these songs, did you have a, like, what was your process for that?
1: Yeah, like, so I would have, a, I would usually have sheet music just to kind of, like, jumpstart the melody. Um, are we talking about Shoro specifically? Yeah,
0: Shoro or Jazz, either one. I mean, yeah. both are yeah, equally complex, and, and I just love to get into the insight of... Like, what, how, like, how these things were worked on for you. And maybe it'll help somebody who's listening be like, yeah, that might be the breakthrough thing for them to hear. Like, I never thought of it that way and take them on a a different journey as well.
1: Yeah. Well, like, specifically with Shoro, like, I had never heard the rhythms of samba and all the different rhythms that come in that genre of music because it's not just samba, it's, there's a there's baião there's all these different northeastern brazilian rhythms and and i had never heard this stuff ever really um and so just trying to like get the feeling of how to approach playing a melody like that like do we swing it is there what what does the swing sound like in that in that rhythm is it straight um it, cuz it's a heavily syncopated rhythms um and that just like that was so exciting for me to listen to those old bands playing that music because a lot of times it was big bands that were playing this like seven, eight people, like two guitars, cavaquinho, mandolin, um, the the percussion. Sometimes there'd be like two to three percussionists. So I would just, honestly, I would, I, ha- I would have the sheet music in front of me, but that was like, to me, like such a small part of really like um, absorbing the sound of that I, I would listen constantly and and hear what every instrument was doing um and hear like just basically within a measure if people were pushing the rhythm a little bit if the rhythm is playing on the front half of the beat um hearing like the pandero, which is like a tambourine instrument in Brazil kind of driving the the eighth notes and and its swing and and then and then, like, the lead player would usually take a solo on one of the sections of of the song. And so just hearing how they would improvise around the melody, around the chords of, like, a certain section in the song. And I just think, like, for me, I just, I just would listen and memorize everything that everyone was doing in one song. And play it back and play it a thousand times until it was, like, really... <laughs> you know, ingrained in me that I didn't have to think about it. Cause I think that's really important to like learn something to the point where you just don't have to think about it anymore. Right. You don't have to think about what comes next. It's, it's kind of just already in your, in your bank, in your memory bank in your muscle memory. Cause you've done it so many times. And um, I just can't, I can't stress that enough for, for, for me, like learning of, of, a style of music, whether it's a song or a rhythm or anything, I just have to do it over and over and over again until it feels natural.
0: I mean, for me, especially like when I first started trying to play like jazz or some gypsy jazz stuff, one one of the things that I found definitely as a stumbling block before I you know, figured out, he's got to keep playing and playing and playing this song to get it, but it was like, I'd look at that chart, and I'd try and chase the chords, you know what I mean? And then, then I was thinking too much, you know, and I'm looking, you know, seeing a C sharp right. minor, and then going to a G7's coming up, I where, and then, by then, it's already gone, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, I'm <laughs> <Right>. completely lost, <laughs> you know?
1: Right, and, and that's a great, oh, that's such a great point that you made, because, like, choro music, a lot of times, it's, it's, it's quick it's it's going it's going by fast and there's usually like a like two chords per measure you know like there's a lot of just like jazz turnarounds really you know three six two five one six two five like a lot of very similar harmonic progressions that you see in like jazz standards but with like this heavily syncopated um rhythm underneath right which makes it sound so different and so so hipped you know in my opinion so when I would think about like soloing on a song that was burning, it's, you have to think about it in like long phrases, right? You have to think about it like over the span of two measures or four measures. Um, And maybe you're not thinking about every single chord, but like a phrase that would, you know, blanket over the whole, the whole um, line or something, you know? So thinking, learning how to, lengthen my phrases or my sentences because uh you don't want to sound like you're just playing like every single arpeggio for every single chord <laughs> right right right.
0: yeah I got a great tip when it's the first time somebody because again like when I and I, I would just listen I was just listening to Django Reinhardt and stuff I'm like oh this is so great you know and and then some friends invited me out to like a jam and and one of the best pieces of advice I would gotten, like when we were rehearsing, was like, oh, you just look for the two five ones in there. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, yeah, just it, just because the song is in G or whatever, C or B flat, it doesn't mean that you could just solo for B flat. Or you can solo, you can try and solo over all these chords. But if you find this little section here, look for the fives right. or the minors and see, you know, and and then you can kind of play phrases that are going to resolve there. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> absolutely yeah and that's so valuable the first time
1: you the light bulb like flashes on you're like oh god i'm first of all i'm such a hack but how fun is this
0: <laughs> yeah exactly and and i think you said um i mean you said a lot of really important things in there and one of the thing was which i think is crucial with soloing is improvise around the melody yeah you know you want to keep the theme of that song still in there I, you know they should know the song no matter what what's going on you know, at some point.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Like I, I, I do observe sometimes people getting lost and I always had the melody in my head when I was improvising, not like you're like singing it in your head while you're improvising, but you know exactly where you are in the song because you, you've, you know, you've memorized the melody so well that, you know, this, this is the section that goes like this, right. Melodically. So I can hint so you'd you'd be able to hint at the melody if you wanted to, and that, and then and then kind of weave in and out.
0: Speaking of light bulb moments, I mean, you probably had p- plenty of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but absolutely. Like, do you have anything that sticks out in your mind that's really helped you in in this style of music that somebody might have showed you early on, or at, at any point where you're just like, wow, okay, I'm gonna keep this buried in the back of my brain so that it's always there.
1: Uh, I mean, I had such a good question. I haven't really thought about it, and there's been so many moments, and it seems like a long time ago that I started this music too. You know, so but I, but I know that I had a lot of great people around me, kind of like leading me by the hand, and um, I will say, like, if it's great to like learn how to play other the other instruments like even if it's super basic you know when you're learning a style of music i think it's kind of like really helpful and beneficial to like learn how to play a little bit of percussion if that's involved in the music you know or like with jazz like learn a little couple of jazz chords on the guitar and and i like my favorite instrument is the electric bass so like i, I definitely consider myself a horrible beginner at it, but like I love playing it, you know, like because it just like gives gives me such a a a well-rounded, I think it gives anybody, it could give anybody a well-rounded perspective of the genre instead of just like what your role is as a mandolinist, right? Like just playing lead, you know, like it's so important to be able to play chords um, in shore music. Like you should know all the chords to the song and you should know how to play that rhythm, you know, to some degree, to some degree. So I'm sorry that didn't really answer your question. No,
0: that's all right. That's great. That's, I love the bass reference. I mean, not only are you learning, you know, like a lot of the roots and the root notes of these tunes, but you're also kind of like, you're kind of grabbing both ends of the rhythm. Um, You know, when you think of a mandolin is like a snare and the bass is like a kick drum almost, you've kind of got both ends of the spectrum of the, uh, Of the rhythm section in a way if you don't play with a drummer right
1: Right. and it just it only helps you memorize the
0: the chords more too i know you mentioned some books as well that you had kind of read along did you did you end up going like further like advanced education after schooling or anything like that college
1: i never did i i pretty much just played uh gigs with a variety a wide variety of of genres and and people around um around the country. and um but but I like in the in the in the beginning, I would consult many like method books and like you know, the real book and jamie Abersold, um method books, and just kind of like playing along with backing tracks a lot. and um yeah
0: yeah all that stuff I mean that's advanced education to me you know what I mean that stuff is uh, real world experiences uh, you know I maybe mean, I've had people on here who who you know enrolled at Berkeley and maybe didn't finish because they went out there and like what better experience can you get if you're going to college for musical instruments and going on the road and doing what you want to do for a living anyway <laughs> you
1: know yeah I think it's I think I think it's all great you know it's like somebody asked me is it more is it more important to play? to know how to read music or play by ear and i think it's like i honestly i think it's all great
0: <laughs> it's only going to help everything else you know the more you are able to do and especially i would it, like in the in the jazz realm in the in the choral world i would imagine like recognizing even just like extensions and different things like that like knowing a 9 in a 7 and like what that means because those things right. can just add to soloing so much too
1: yeah i remember just slowly learning about exactly what you're talking about extensions and and various kind of modes and and scales uh different scales and you know it happened probably slower than if i was going to like a a class every couple of days you know a couple of days a week i i can see that but um i think it's all great it doesn't matter how you get there you know as long as you just kind of keep keep going keep the course and um if it interests you, I feel like you're most likely going to um find a way to like, you know, make it a part of your playing.
0: Well, you mentioned a little bit about scales there too. Do you have like a uh, any sort of scale warm-up or anything like that that you kind of do? Cuz that's one thing is uh, again listening to um like Sharon by the Sea and which is uh, I highly recommend it. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, but it's just just rediscovering it again this week for me has been like just awesome because it's it's virtuosic.
1: I appreciate that you know it seems like that's a that's an album that i did so long ago um with a friend of mine dusty Brough, who and we collaborated and wrote these tunes and um recorded them at my friend mike marshall's house and it was like and it was like in 2007 so you know that was like a a, a while ago now 14 15 years almost and um I'm so grateful for that opportunity and, and the songs are kind of like forever will be, you know, special to me because that's the first album I've ever recorded and and I don't really ever play that music anymore. So it's just, it's just there forever, right? Yeah. Um, but in terms of scales and warm up, um, I, I, I go back to my classical background and I, there's variations on... All major and minor scales that I grew up playing on the piano and violin, and and I grew up playing like a lot of Bach and stuff like that on those instruments. So, I think like if you if you can get a partitas book, you know partitas and sonatas by Bach, that is like the ultimate scale warm ups because <laughs> things just go through every variation. That guy was like such a madman. Um, so. That's what I would recommend and that's what I've done my whole
0: life. Mike Marshall, definitely one of my one of my favorites um, and he's been nice. on the podcast a few different times and um, how did you uh, how did you meet Mike?
1: I met Mike I went to a, a Shoro concert of his. He had a, a Shoro group for a while um, out here in California and I went and saw him play at a winery when I was like maybe a freshman in high school and just connected and, and sat in with his band that night and we played oh, and Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was great. Cause I, I had, I had just gotten into Shoro music and I knew a couple of them and, and he was an enthusiast and there were some great musicians from the Bay area that were playing with him. And, and so it was a great opportunity for me to just, just kind of meet a bunch of those people and, and get in that scene. And then, yeah, and then we we stayed friends and, and then he invited me to be a part of the, the Tone Poets album with Grisman
0: um a few years later. That is amazing. What was that experience like? Yeah, like it's just it's just kind of like a blur,
1: you know, because I didn't really know too much about the world of bluegrass, living in Central California Fresno, and um I hadn't really gone to like Bluegrass Festival, you know, or listen to much bluegrass at that point. Um, but I knew that David Grisman was like an icon and <laughs> and I knew that Mike was was right there with him. And and so it was just like it was like thrilling, but I didn't really know what I was doing at the same time. And and they just asked me if I would record with uh with Mike's Shoro guitarist who was in his band at the time. And I met the guy the same day that we recorded.
0: <laughs> oh wow! Get out of here.
1: <laughs> the guitarist, which was just fantastic. Um, and then we drove up to to Grisman's place in Northern California and just cut it like in a couple takes. And I was playing Grisman's mandolin, which I also like never played uh, an F five before that day. Really, never owned one. I was I was playing like a a and Healy, like a style round hole mandolin. And it was the only one that I'd ever played. And so everything was new and I just kind of, you know, I just figured it out in a, in a certain way that day. And fantastic though. Grissman is so awesome. And, and the subsequent years after that went to the symposium in Santa Cruz many times and connected with all those great, um, acoustic mandolinists.
0: Yeah. Well, it just, I, 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 talk about this every time I talk to anybody who's gone to them sympo- those symposiums and I, I figured you must have gone just from your location and and being on yeah. Tone Poets, but it's just, it blows my mind thinking about, you know, like um, Jake and Sierra and yourself and Dominic Leslie and all these people at the mandolin thing just stuck with the, such great players like yourself and, and, and them and it's just amazing to me.
1: Oh, so great. And those, those, once again like I was I didn't come from like that background of, of bluegrass and fiddle tunes and stuff but when I saw those younger kids because they're a little bit younger than me like just crushing it I was like man this is so incredible oh wow and, that's neat and yeah and, and everybody had that thirst of wanting to learn other styles Shoro and they were all open to that too which was really cool about the symposium how it kind of shined a light on many different styles.
0: That you know you can apply that's a, that's one thing another thing about mike marshall that's just like so amazing I mean, he's an amazing person but he's such an amazing yes. player yes. that you know he he could have easily just stuck the bluegrass route you know and been comfortable but he introduced so many people to shoro music i think through the symposium and his incredible shoro releases and stuff like that that it took these young like you said young, young bluegrass players and you bluegrass player like myself, and like oh I need to listen to them <laughs> I need to listen to more to this
1: right yeah, I mean Mike is a obviously an incredible mandolinist, but he has a way of 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 presenting other styles um in a way where people like really want to to listen to it and be a part of it and learn about it and uh he presents it in like a a, a really sophisticated way and he gets the bands together and whether it's just a duo or a band, you know, and, um, yeah, he, he's always had a, he's had a history of really, you know, high level
0: recordings, music. And you said, did he, did he kind of produce in, in all that stuff, your, your album, the Sharon by the sea?
1: No, he didn't produce it. We just kind of used his, his, uh, his studio. Cool. And he had a great engineer friend who knew already about how to, you know, mic acoustic instruments, but no, he didn't produce it. He just, he was just very helpful with, um, with the studio and, and, uh, and it would lend an ear from time to time. And that was nice to have that third perspective. Um, but
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, the album sounds phenomenal. I mean, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it's 13 years old. Would that be 14 years old? It's doesn't, I mean, it sounds like it could have been recorded yesterday. You know, it just, it sounds great.
1: That's I got to give all the credit to Dave, Luke and and Mike for, for having all that knowledge. I mean, I could have, you know, we could have recorded it in in anywhere and and it would have sounded completely different. So I'm very, very grateful.
0: Let's talk a little bit about gear now um, you talked about the, uh, the Lion and Healy, but you've got, looks like just looking from your videos on YouTube, you have a, a little arsenal of some mandolin stuff going on there. Uh, acoustic and electric.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't pretend to, to really have much like, like, he, like I, I wish I had some really special, special, uh mandolins like from some of these great Luthier's uh acoustic specifically is what I'm talking about. But I do have some great electric mandolins from Jonathan Mann, two ends. Yeah. I have a I have a tenor electric five string mandolin
0: uh from him called the Raptor. And uh that's super fun. What co- what color is that one? Is that the is that the greenish one? No, it's blonde. It's, it's it's okay.
1: Yeah. It's blonde and um that's a tenor so it's pretty much you know i use guitar string electric guitar strings on that scale length and um it's got really nice dimarzio pickups you know they sound great and put it through an amp through a processor i have like a a pedal board and um yeah that's a lot of fun and then i play this godin a8 mandolin a lot when i just want to get um acoustic sound but i'm playing with say drums and you know electric bass and singers, so and I, I need a, a really good pickup
0: Yeah that thing sounds real acoustic plugged in uh, on your uh, on all the clips it's really yeah, like it's on the clips, really impressive
1: right. I i got to give all the credit to those guys cuz that's the only mandolin that they've ever made and i think they stopped making it too but like for the price point and just what it can do it's a, it's a real like road Instrument, you know, it it's it can take a lot of <laughs> riding around in a car and you know <laughs> bouncing around and stuff like that. But it's um it's it it's always sounded great. And uh, I usually mic it because it does have a little bit of acoustic quality, even though there's no even though there's no holes or anything like that. It's it I mic it and then I I take a line out of the pick the pickup. So um yeah, and then I have a I just have like a pretty basic east uh, eastman um f5 that i carry around to jam and have that just acoustic but i'm i'm really i'm in the the market for a, a nice acoustic um high end mandolin
0: yeah awesome well there's no shortage of incredible builders out there right now oh, that's I know. for sure it's wild i
1: know it's such a hard
0: choice what's the um the instrument you're playing there's one oh i can't remember the name of the band now it was a drummer great singer too um
1: oh yeah some friends of mine in fresno yeah that was a uh, that was actually a um a, a mike marshall alone um i can't remember the builder now i think it was like ron or something like that oh okay cool but that was another five string
0: situation yeah um was that a tenor as well yeah. Okay. That was also a tenor. Yeah, that's where I was getting confused.
1: It sound, sounded a little bit different though than than the the man that I play now. Yeah, that's that was the first one that I had a an ex- exposure to that that style of mandolin, which I didn't even know existed.
0: <laughs> even better. What, yeah. kind of, uh, what kind of amp do you run into, or and pedal boards or anything like that? Do you have any spe- specific things you like to use when you're playing those gigs live?
1: I have like a little little collection of pedals, different pedals from different kind of boutique companies. Yeah. I mean, the basics are Boss and there's a company owned by Dunlop called MXR and they make some really great like delay and distortion pedals. Um, I love an octave pedal by Boss. Um, I have like some chorus pedals that I like from... Uh, a company in LA called Fulltone. Oh yeah. Yeah, they have some nice pedals and I have a little processor from Digitech like a XP360 um, with an expression pedal. I love the I love the Morley wah pedals. I love the Ernie Ball a volume pedal and then the amp is like a PV. It's kind of like a full it's like more like a keyboard so it has a like a horn, but it has like a nice 15 inch speaker. So I think it really covers like the whole range of the tenor that I play. um And then I played through like Fender um Reverb, reverb bands, amps as well, but I I kind of am more partial to solid state.
0: Sure, yeah, that's great. That 15 inch speaker probably sounds awesome.
1: Yeah, it really I I like it. I, I haven't found another amp that kind of can cover all the all the the low end like that mm-hmm. um but i don't i don't pretend to know that much about amps and pedals i just kind of like know what i like to hear you know yeah
0: i'm the same way i couldn't tell you anything about a capacitor. If you if you laid all the parts in front of me of a pedal that I own right now, there's no way I could put it back together <laughs> or tell you. <laughs> oh, it, oh, yeah. No. Except for the knobs and the switch, I wouldn't even know what they did. <laughs> I feel like, well, I know I press this and it turns it on. <laughs> so You
1: got to leave that to the guitar players, right? <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. You can worry about that. <laughs> What's it sound like? <laughs> um, What kind of stuff are you playing or or, or listening to right now? Oh, gee. So right now,
1: I think I mentioned to you
0: before we started, I've
1: during the pandemic, I, um, I have a friend that owns a restaurant and I've been playing four nights a week for about the last 13 months um, with a pianist and a singer. So we play a lot of um, popular music and this guy uh, has kind of one of those encyclopedic minds where he even if he hasn't played the song before, he can pick it out and and sing it if he's, if he's heard it enough in his life and so i've learned a lot about 80s music and 70s music whether it's Cat stevens to elton john to prince to um eric clapton and the list goes on and on and on so i've been listening to a lot of in the last year a lot of music from those decades um which i love listening to whether it's michael mcdonald or um aretha franklin and um yeah earth one and fire and um on and on so i'm i'm really moved by like rhythm and blues and soul music and obviously jazz is a huge part of my my life so i'm always listening to some of the vocalists whether they're newer vocalists that i've discovered um or or the classics and um and In the instrumental world um, lately, I, I, I don't know. There's, I should check my my iPod and see what I've played the most <laughs> this <with> last year. <laughs> there's there's a lot. It's a
0: lot. Yeah, there's so um, much music um, and access to it. Uh, you know, more than ever before. Absolutely. Do have uh, yeah. Any plans to do another album?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the last year I was. Kind of hold up during the pandemic. And I, this was when I actually, most of 2020 and a little bit into the early part of 21, I was at my house recording about five different original songs that I had written in the last few years. And I just decided like, let's put, let's put this down. Let's, you know, record all the instruments that you want to record on these, on these songs and make a little video and throw them up on YouTube just for the fun of it. So it was really motivating for me to do that and extremely fulfilling to do original music, um, and play all the instruments. So that was super fun. And then I would kind of film myself sometimes doing it or a friend of mine would, would film me recording it. Um, and so I have thoughts of like, maybe remixing and and putting them out on an EP and and recording a few more. So it's just kind of like a a few originals, maybe a few covers, and uh, yeah, we'll see where that leads. But I I really enjoy like just recording songs as singles and putting them out individually as uh, as they happen, you know.
0: What uh, was what was the one? Was it um was it Mambo? Is that the one where you play the table and the cymbal in the uh Yeah, yeah. Great song. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it was just like something that just kind of came out of a of a little baseline groove, you know, and then I just recorded it and and I think the beauty of like recording is like you record something and and now you can listen back to it and then start layering other things as opposed to just like playing one instrument having just that one voice like recording it's like it's this whole other world and and i recorded pretty much solo with the exception of like maybe one or two friends coming and recording maybe drums because i don't play like drum set but like electric bass i love so much and some guitar and and like you said the percussion is so fun to play violin mandolin and and keys and stuff like that so it was really fulfilling
0: the good stuff man yeah you should put that stuff out there on the uh get that out there in the world on it's 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 really excellent all those videos and just watching you play all those instruments you know and again that goes to say like you were going back to a little bit in the interview when you're talking about just playing a little bit of the instruments i mean like when you come in with that little ride cymbal part like that just <laughs> yeah i mean it just adds so much and it's just this little cool vibe but it adds a great feel to it you know
1: Thank you so much. And that's just like my influences of listening to like Brazilian jazz and, and, um, funk music and, and, you know, and just kind of like trying to hear a, a bigger sound outside of just my instrument, my main instrument, right? Like what's going to really enhance this melody and, and just hearing incredible classic, classic recordings of samba or whatever funk and having that, like hearing that ride cymbal, hearing that that certain instrument drive, whether it's a bass line or a ride cymbal or just like a, an organ groove, you know, just something that's just kind of permeating. And really, it's really fun to, to think of like the possibilities of, of how you want a song to sound and, and, and figuring out what's going to be actually like the one forever. <laughs>
0: <laughs> For sure. I'm in the midst of that myself right now. It's like never ending. Oh,
1: God. Oh. Good luck to you. That's yeah. Fun.
0: Thanks. Yeah. It's like when do you stop? Like when do you stop <laughs> tweaking?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. Like, like you're doing it at home, maybe, so you don't yeah. like you don't like have to like run out of money or anything like that, which is always nice
0: yeah. instead of like going to a studio. Well, I've got two more questions for you here, and okay, um, and the first one relates to if you had ten minutes a day to pick up your mandolin to work on something, or just ten minutes today that you wanted to work on, what would you work on?
1: Oh like right now, I mean, there's so many things that I want to work on, but I think right now, where I'm at, I want to work on what would be the main thing um oh for me, it's always like har- har- harm harmony related like like being able to play more interesting harmonic phrases over simple progressions, whether it's whether it's a two five one whether it's um, you know, just off of a jazz standard, but but really like refining my improv to kind of what I said earlier, like what not to play and what to play, right? So we're not just kind of like figuring it out as we go, but more con, more concise and to the point, more efficient with our with our note choices, you know, and and just having a clear. So I would I would put on like an iReal Pro app probably. And pick a one of my favorite standards, whatever. There's there's so many, and just shed that tune for ten minutes for sure.
0: Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, the iReal Pro app is great for especially for uh, jazz and and different things like that. That thing is like invaluable. Yeah, yeah, it's
1: great, and it gets the creative juices flowing more, you know, and helps your rhythm and Yeah, so right
0: now that's what I would do. That's great. And then the final question is: Do you have a favorite beer?
1: I do. I I don't drink a lot of beer. I prefer wine. But in my life, especially like in my twenties, I remember I was um, I, I I used to love drinking this beer from Deschutes Brewery up in Bend, Oregon, and they had a porter called Black Butte Porter, which was great. It and then, good. <laughs> and then in California, um, there's so many great microbreweries here there's a great um oh boy there's a great brewery in san francisco called almanac and i love like their whole style german kolsch or like a, a lighter beer i mean usually nowadays i just go for like a lighter beer whether it's like corona or you know pacifico or something like that but there's some great like uh, German style Kolsches and pilsners um, in this area.
0: Oh, I bet! Man, the brewery boom has been crazy. Just like every every even small city seems to have three killer breweries you can go to now and and have and have like a really good anything style style of beer, no matter what you like.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. That and you said your favorite
0: beer was the Oberon, right? Yeah, Oberon uh, from from Bell's. Love it. Uh-
1: yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna seek that out.
0: Yeah, do it. It's good. It might be it's it's seasonal, so they, it might be out of it now. But like right around March, I want to say like the release day is like March 24th or something like that when they roll it all out. But oh my gosh, sweet, it's so good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love the name of your podcast. That's just so great.
0: Thank you so much for saying that. I appreciate it. Heck yeah. I'll send you some stickers if you want some. I got some pretty cool uh, some pretty cool stickers for the logo that I really, really like. Oh, please do. I'm ready. Oh, done. Yeah, I'll send you that in a shirt.
1: Oh, geez. Love, I'm, this is Christmas for me. <laughs> there this you go. Awesome. <laughs> oh, thank man. you so much.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, Eva, thank you so much for doing the podcast. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, I'm excited to see what you do in the future. Uh, you're playing super inspiring. I really appreciate
1: you. I'm super humbled that you asked me to be a part of this. I'm so grateful. I look forward to hearing your music, and thank you so much, Daniel.
0: All right. Thank you so much to Eva for doing the podcast. You can go to mandolinsandbeer.com and or look into the description of this podcast for links to find Eva's Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and all that good stuff, as well as a link to the Bandcamp where that new single is available. I highly recommend it, and go out and buy Sharon by the Sea. All right, everybody. Have a fantastic week. Cheers, y'all.